Clear. background noise throughout the day but it's just airplanes so it's not it's, it's not really noise. good background noise yeah, yeah. this is this is the best seat in the house that's right we got sky riders now we got sky riders, we got sky riders now. now does that say you cap i can't it's got a runway in the front yard <laughs> and you're in sight clear left turkey central ground good afternoon sir taxi via foxtrot and alpha For better or for worse, let's see if this is going to work. And they're off. All right. Uh, All right. David, what's the story here? This this guy rescued the deer with a helicopter. No, it was a cow. What was it he rescued? I think he rescued a, a, a couple of future plates of, of, uh, of Bill Scalapini. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is from uh, Oklahoma's own Channel Six, NewsOnSix.com. It's a video, so you know they but, count that. Yeah, in Oklahoma. And, What's that? And they, this poor little calf uh, got out on thin ice, uh, not unlike people we've known, uh, and nobody could get out because the ice was too thin to support humans. So a fellow in a helicopter comes along and uses rotowash and the natural lack of friction of a slightly wet, frozen surface to gently skate said calf to shore where it was rescued and oh, I'm sorry. started a fire. So we didn't think that this helicopter was just going to spook the living daylights out of this, this little cow and it was going to sink to the bottom of the pond. This is just... Weird. I don't know. And so they blew the the cow to shore. They blew. Yes, uh, that's basically it. They huffed and they puffed and they helicoptered it to shore <laughs> without ever picking it up. So so, um, what do you what do you tell your wife after something like this? She she says, "Honey, how was your day?" Oh, I was. I, it was a good day, honey. I blew a cow today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't how, have how a you, cow, sweetheart. But I went skating with. I, I went skating with a, a calf, and uh, I'm not sure if that's a lot better. <laughs> well, the best part of this whole story is that when first time I saw the video, I said, "Wait a minute, this is an old video. We saw this a while back." And then I realized that no, the one we saw a while back was a deer, and I was thinking, "That's really cool that they took. You know, they saw this video where a, a, a news copter pilot used his rotor wash to wash a deer to safety." Right. At the end of the video, they tell you that this is the same pilot. Yeah. When yeah. they saw when the when the people saw the calf was stranded, they called the TV station and said, you know, last winter your pilot saved a fawn on the on the ice. Can they come do it for our calf? Because our calf is out on the Uh-oh. ice. So it was the same pilot, the same TV station. Now this guy's. What's this going to be? The the rescue the frozen <laughs> ice stranded animals pilot. A, an, an annual thing here, right? It's going to. Like, well, a little known fact: the helicopter pilot's headset was playing the Blues Brothers version of Rawhide. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, welcome, folks, to episode two hundred and what twenty-one of uh, Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. 
We're recording this episode on uh, Tuesday evening, January... Wait a minute, is it Tuesday? Yes, Tuesday evening, January 18th, <laughs> 2011. And uh, joining me here in the virtual hangar, we've got a really mixed up, confused virtual hangar this week. But uh, let's see if I can explain all this. First of all, joining us from uh, someplace in Wichita, Kansas, is Dave Higdon. Hey, David, how you doing tonight? Just doing fabulous. And yourselves? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're having a good old time, and I'll explain why in a minute. But uh, <laughs> how's, uh, uh, up in my stomping grounds, uh, there's apparently a blizzard, not yet another blizzard going on. How's the weather down there? Is it snowed again? Uh, well, it uh, never got above freezing today, and we're supposed to be getting freezing rain and snow starting tomorrow evening, running all the way through to uh, Thursday sometime. So back to measurable precipitation and hopefully some uniform white service surface for getting out and doing a little featureless photography. Yeah. And also joining me here in the hangar is a uh, good friend Jeb Burnside talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Jeb, how are you doing tonight? I'm I'm finer in frog fur to, to coin a phrase and to steal from from Higdon one more time. Um uh, fairly productive day and uh great to be sitting here with some friends. Yeah. And Amen also, to that. Yeah. <clears throat> And also, Vir- virtual, though some of them may be. That's right, yeah. <laughs> also, joining us in the hangar this week, uh, uh, a special guest, uh, a good friend, Jay- uh, Dave. Jay- <laughs> a good friend, but I don't know what the hell his name no, is. No, I know his name. I just can't this say is, I This can't is Dab. Uh, no, I, this is... Um, <laughs> Dave Schaubetter is joining us, and uh, he's talking to us today from... Well, we'll come back to that in a second, but how you doing, Dave? How's everything? Everything's great. Actually, life is really good, and uh, you know the part you're going to come back to, I, I will toot my own horn a little bit here. I am now the proud holder of a certificate that says that I scored a 96 on my state That's right. home inspector's uh, certification exam today. So That's I'm a happy camper. Yeah. 96. Okay, now, you know, in all fairness, it was an open book, open note test. But the fact that I nailed a 96 and not just passed it, you know, it makes me feel good. Yeah, yeah. And I am Jack Hodgson, and I'm talking Yay. to you from uh, Poolside at the Hidden River Lonely Hearts Club and Lost Airman Cafe here in <laughs> Sarasota, Florida. I'm actually at Je- both, both Dave Schaubetter and I are both visiting Jeb the, uh, this week, and uh, we're actually sitting uh, around uh, a table next to, uh, to uh, Jeb's pool. Uh, out here, looking out over his backyard, this is uh, uh, this body of water. You actually have Jeb has a lake in his backyard. Well, a pond, lake, pond, lake in his backyard. And Does island. it have a name? Um, <clears throat> the island has a name because uh, that I should describe it. There's it's a roughly circular pond, right, right. fairly big. Jeb estimates the pond, the whole pond, to be about an acre, um, and uh, and and sort of roughly centered in the pond is an island. The island has a wooden bridge out to it, and there is a, a small gazebo on the island, as well as some wildlife. <laughs> you're, 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 you're making us out to be much more than it is. Well, no, it is exactly. Uh, but but the island, the island. What's the, the island called? It's obvious, Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island. All right. <laughs> and it has, uh, it has pine tree, uh, palm trees. Pine trees are something else. Uh, it has palm trees, and uh, and it has. Uh, Pink flamingos. Pink flamingos. Yeah. Gotta love the tacky pink plastic flamingos. Yeah. It's just, you know, right. It's a Florida they're not, You live in Florida, you have to have one. They're, and they're, they're not merely tacky pink flamingos. They're randy. Well, it, and, and according to eyewitness reports, somewhere in the vicinity of the pond uh, resides or 
frequently visits a, a an amphibian type that's, creature. That's right. that's right. I'll tell you, I've been yes. here for a couple of days now, and this backyard of Jeb's is like a menagerie. It's a. It's on Twitter. I called it a bestiary to somebody recently. But, you know, <laughs> I think that's something else. Um, uh, yeah, that brings up an image. <laughs> but uh, there's all sorts of wildlife. Why, why do you here. think we call it Fantasy Island? Yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds of wildlife. There's like every time you every time you look, there's another deer. There's deer everywhere coming and going. Um, there's all sorts of uh, aquatic birds that come and visit and, and splash in the water and hunt and whatnot. Um, what else do we see? We saw wild turkeys. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, We're and not they, talking about the liquor cap. We, yeah, we, no. we named them Higdon and Shalbetter. <laughs> <laughs> we did as a matter of boom. <laughs> we did as a matter of fact. So, uh, so my thanks to uh, Jeb uh, on my behalf, and I'm sure on Dave S's behalf as well for letting us visit and hang out here. And uh, no problem. Don't forget to tip the piano player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Well, I do appreciate it because you saved me the cost of a couple nights in the hotel. Oh, absolutely. This class that I took was at the Hilton. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, they'd, they'd love for of you course, to they'd love for you to stay in the Hilton. And I thought, hmm, take it next month where I have to commute an yeah. hour and a half each way yeah, or man. get an excuse to come over to Hidden River for a few days. Absolutely. Yeah. As, as and I have to say, the place looks, you're making great strides since I was here Thank back you. in July. Um, well, back in July, yeah, it was a, it was a, almost a teardown. Well, you um, had no doors back yeah, then. Yeah, I had, had no doors back then. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, you're welcome here anytime. You don't need a special occasion. So do you have a hangar door now? No. That, no. And we can talk about that if you'd like. Yeah, let's talk about this okay. hangar door. I think we talked about it on the podcast Did, way back when, around Oshkosh we, we talked about it a couple of times, and we haven't talked about it much for uh, um, a variety of reasons. Um, make a long story shorter, or at least maybe to refresh some listeners' memories, back at Oshkosh 2010, I ordered... Um, a new hanger door <clears throat> for my new hanger, or the hanger I, I bought as part of this real estate deal. And um, the, the hanger door has like a half door on it. Um, I, I have, I've not yet received a, a real good explanation as to why there's only half a door there. I was just gonna but I knew that when I bought it, and it was part of the, part of the transaction. Okay, fine, let's, let's move on. So anyway, I contracted with Hydro Swing out of Minnesota, to uh, manufacture for me a, a new one-piece uh, door. That was back uh, in August of, of 10. Um, the original uh, uh, ETA was six to eight weeks, uh, putting it in mid-October. Um, Mid-October came and went, um, no door, and I got <clears throat> uh, word that you know the production schedules are delayed, uh, we're having trouble getting parts and things like that. Um, October 15 uh, uh, became somewhere sometime in December was a new ETA. Um, periodically started calling you know, every four weeks or something like that, and each time I called, the, the, the next ETA was you know, five weeks uh, after the date I uh, had been given before, something like that. So it, it, you know, it was obvious you know, that they weren't going to be able to supply the door, whatever their problems are. Um, so... I've canceled that order, and um, uh, Lee, um, uh, <clears throat> the man in black, the satanic mechanic, <laughs> yeah. uh, Lee and I have agreed um, uh, he's, we're just going to build the bottom half of that door yeah. and, and get the mechanism and bolt it all together, plug it in, and move on. I, I think that's 
Yeah. It makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Right. Rather than get a whole new door and start that whole process from scratch with another company, um, we're just going to do it from scratch. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, David, no, there's no hanger. Well, there's a half a hanger door. We're going to jack that sucker up, too. The hanger? No, the or half the, the hanger door. We're going we're gonna to open it, you mean? Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to, um, this week, maybe, you and I will move that thing so where I can get the airplane back in there. Oh, so you're going to basically open it the rest of the way? Yeah, open it the rest of the way. Yeah. yeah. But putting the airplane in the hangar means making room in the hangar. Yeah, it well, means you're going to find places to put the six you, you cars. Got, you got to you got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. One of the boss, we were, we, you know, I came, I called it the uh, Lonely Hearts Club and Lost Airman Cafe. Another name that's going around is what has, has to do with used car lots. Uh, Hidden and, River Motors. You know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's like cars and motorcycles and uh, bits and pieces and you name it, man. There's all kinds of stuff here. All right. I haven't, I haven't ventured down to the hangar yet, but uh-huh. you've got a whole flock of motorcycles in your garage. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. He's got I, a, a herd the other day I had seven. Not all of them were mine. Today I have six in the garage. All of them are mine. In the garage. In that's the garage. Correct. Yeah. And, and yours is back down at that's the That's right. Because Jack, Jack, bless his heart, um, decided that he really didn't want to spend all of this coming winter in New Hampshire. Now, I don't fault him for this. I don't fault him for this. Uh, so what he did is he trailered his motorcycle down here, mm-hmm. which is not, a, 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 not an inconsiderable thing. It was an adventure. Um, yeah, I'm sure it was. Um, and it's it's down here in my hangar, or what's you know my half door hangar. Yeah. Um, uh, getting worked on, getting tinkered with. And, yeah. Uh, it's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be all good. We were riding motorcycles the other day. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. We'll we, do that uh, again. We took a couple of the uh, trailish. Well, one of them's definitely a trail bike. Yeah. And the other one's sort of a street trail kind of yeah. combo bike. And yeah. We went riding along the river. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We didn't see any alligators. Not yet. I'm looking. Yeah. People tell me that they're all sleeping. They're, they're not sleeping exactly. You're the alligator expert, Shelby. What's the story here? Well, I'm no expert. I mean, I've lived in Florida long enough to pick, to pick up all kinds of, you know, um, Mythbusters type information. But when it gets cold like this, we had a cold snap here. It was down, I mean, I don't know what it was here, but it was down in the 40s back in West Palm. Uh, over the weekend when it gets cold like this the gators just go into hiding they, they drop down they hibernate they're cold-blooded so it gets yeah, cold no, and they understand. slow down I hear, I, they they go to San, I hear they go to Sanibel Island <laughs> Sean better got a big laugh out of that I don't get it but <laughs> okay Sanibel San, Sanibel is a big destination for snowbirds particularly uh-huh. snow- no, no, Dave, that's where the cougars are <laughs> yeah Okay. So, anyways, <laughs> airplanes, airplanes—they're hollering. I can hear them now. The <laughs> this is an aviation podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just about to, you know, like, let's be lazy journalists. <laughs> <laughs> you like that gadget, huh? I like that. Yeah, yeah. this is a, the lazy journalist plane story generator. All right, we've for you know since we've been doing this podcast since the late fifties. Uh, we regularly <laughs> bemoan the quality of uh, ma- uh, mainstream journalism when it comes or to the lack thereof. Yeah, when it comes to reporting general aviation stories, and someone, some very clever uh, web programmer, has come up with a, uh, a story generator for uh, putting together the, gen- the your basic general aviation story uh, for the mainstream media. And it's just got, I mean, I, I'm not even, it's, it's so complex and cool. It's hard for me to come up with ways that, you know, it's like, 
it's got all these selection fields. So you, you, first of all, you choose the origin of the passengers, and it says, you know, so for, for example, it says, Melbourne passengers last night told their, and now it says, choose over-the-top emotion. So we're going to say horrific terror. Uh, aboard a choose where plane was bound. This was obviously from someone down in Australia. It kind of. I, I like the terrible, dreadful fear one myself. But really? Which one? Terrible, dreadful. All right, that's what terrible, dreadful fear. All right, there we go. And now choose an airline here. Let's do. Uh, oh, destination where the plane was bound yeah. in the airline. I'm just going to do three more fields here. I'm just kind of grabbing them randomly now. Here, let's see what we've got here, and then finally choose malfunction. <laughs> Okay. This kind of reminds me of that that party story that we did as kids, where you'd list an adjective and list a verb. Yeah. And, well, no, it's it's Mad Libs would, for airplanes. Is okay, that's, yeah. I was trying to remember yeah. what the game was called. Mag-libs. Melbourne passengers last night told of their terrible, dreadful fear aboard a aboard a Brisbane-bound Rex flight, which was required to return to Perth yesterday due to shortage of food. And it goes on. There's three more, two more paragraphs. Yeah, I, I chose a different. Was, which I, one did you come was, up with? It was terror at the thought of starving to death. Yeah, right. Jeb, how how did yours come out? Headline is Bits Fall Off Plane. Yeah. Canberra passengers last night told of their horrific terror aboard a Brisbane-bound Australian Airlines flight, which was required to return to Brisbane yesterday due to running out of Everybody Loves Raymond episodes. (laughs) (laughs) So this is on the web. We'll put the, the link... Let's see if I can do this link. It's Radans, R-A-D-A-N-S, Radans.net slash Jens, J-E-N-S, slash PlainStory.html. PlainStory is one word. I've, I've and, seen these before. They're, they're, they've been going around. I've never seen one that was Australia-based. <laughs> you think that's what makes uh, it all? Here, yeah. here, here was the version I came up with. Go is ahead. Aviation readers worldwide were terrified at the news that USA Today was yet again doing a story about <laughs> private airplanes. And they actually chose to return to their destination and stay in bed for an extra day rather than face the horror of that headline. <laughs> Dave wins. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, Dave wins. First round's on Higdon. Yeah. Uh, let's see now, I'm trying to pull up this story that I think Jeb called our attention to. This week's entry in the, in the Cub Reporter Writes an Aviation Story sweepstakes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the link is not opening here. It's just taking its time. We'll come back to it later on. Let's go on here. Um, there was a, there's a conversation going on in the UCAP forums on the subject of uh, fla- uh, traffic pattern altitudes at 1,000 feet AGL versus 800 feet AGL. And they're going back and forth on... Uh, on uh, which is the reg, and which is more efficient, and which is safer, and which is more appropriate? And uh, the, the, the real quick, the reg is whatever the airport says it is. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Does the aim suggest a? And the aim says look it up in. It's the, not up to the aim. Yeah, it's the aim to, says look it up in the green book. It's up to the airport operator. Yeah. So it's that simple. If, and there are if, places where it's 800, and there are places where it's 1,000. I, I, I was, I was trained. On some where it's 1,200. I was trained at 800. Yep. Okay. Yeah, me too. And, and later on, it was just bumped up to 1,000 kind of, kind of by acclimation or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm more than comfortable flying either one. Um, but uh, it, the, the punchline, though, is that the, pat- the correct pattern altitude for the airport at which you're operating is set by the the airport. Right. If it's not set, then use a thousand feet. 
if you can't find it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and there, are, there are airports like Colonel James Jabara Airport on the east side of Wichita. That'd be Alpha Alpha Oscar for anybody interested in looking it up. Where you want to be on your game about pattern altitude because just a little bit south and west of it is the beach. I'm sorry, a little south and east of it is the beach factory runway. That's 8,000 feet. And beyond that, and this is all within about three miles, kiddies, is McConnell Air Force Base, where you can be sharing airspace with a uh, production flight test business jet and a KC-135 going into McConnell, and, you know, God knows what's going into, in, into Jabara. And the patterns overlap. They're, they're, they're segregated more by altitude than anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, you pay attention to what the locals are. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you, I, my at my beloved Palo Alto Airport, uh, Papa Alpha Oscar um, in California, had uh, the the most common runway to, in use was runway three. Well, back then it was three zero. Now it's three one. We talked about that before too. Um, runway three one, and it was right traffic for three one. And so you'd be flying out, you'd be flying downwind out over San Francisco Bay, and in that case, the pattern altitude was eight hundred feet, but occasionally. It would be appropriate for you to uh, fly a left traffic to that same runway uh, because you were arriving from the other direction. And when you did that, when you were on left af- traffic for three one, you were at a thousand feet on downwind. Um, and and I think that was probably had to do with the fact that on 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 the left downwind, you were over not only over land but you were over pretty densely populated land, houses and uh, businesses and whatnot. And so. Well, that, 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 that brings up something, too, that I've heard discussions about, not necessarily on the, the UCAP forums recently, but in hangar flying, and is the quote-unquote standard left-hand pattern isn't standard at a lot of places. No, yeah. no a, it's not. There's a lot of places where, for the same kind of reasons as why you mind your pattern altitude at Jabara, that you mind your pattern placement uh, at places, uh, well, Augusta Municipal out east of here, it is an east side pattern. Period. Whether it's one eight or three six, you're flying. It's an east side pattern, and one of the reasons for that is a big electric substation and some high tension wires on the west side near the airport. And flying a pattern over there could be, get to be a kind of supercharged situation. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's totally has to do with local conditions and whatever the uh, the airport specs out, right? Yeah. People on the podcast probably listeners probably can't hear this, but for some reason Jeb's menagerie has just gotten very loud here. No, the only menagerie I can hear out here is is the three of you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like the obelisk and uh, the, the the monolith in two thousand one. Yeah, right. The sun the goes sun away. Yeah, right. Yeah. <clears throat> so suddenly everything wakes up. Right. Yeah. Not only have the not only have the the frogs started singing louder, but the landing lights are on on the island. That's right. Yeah, the hey, landing blame, lights are all blame, coming on, blame. and uh, yeah, the air the island doubles as a helicopter pad. I guess is what we're. No, well, with that helicopter you brought, yeah. Yeah, that's right. We were flying the AR drone out here the other day. Um, so let's see. You now the NTSB says that uh, everybody or somebody so, there's supposed to be an inspection of ELT what antenna mounts? I think right. 
Well, ELT, no, the ELT itself and and the antenna mounts if it's an external antenna. So what's the issue here? There's well, this goes this part of this goes to the, the uh, Ted Stevens crash, right? right? Exactly. Um, even though Ted Stevens' airplane, this is Senator Ted Stevens, who died uh, uh, along with some other folks, um, and then others were injured um, in the crash up in Alaska about what six months ago or something, something like that. Something like last summer. Yeah, and um, the new high tech. Uh, 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 ELT, I'm blanking on what they call it, 406. 406s, um, um, was not heard by uh, anyone. And there was a lot of conversation at the time about, about what's the deal here. They had one of these new high-tech ELTs, and yet they weren't discovered for quite a while. Um, and I, what they discovered, they decided that the reason that no one heard the ELT was because the antenna became disconnected right. in the crash. I, I believe that's correct. I'm, I'm loading the story right now. Um, the... Uh it was according to the Avweb story. Uh, first responder f- found the unit loose on the aft floor of the plane. It was switched on, but showed evidence that the antenna and remote switch cable had been pulled out. Um, the NTSB did not determine if that separation was the result of improper mounting or other factors. Uh, but the punchline is you can't Velcro your L- your ELT into the airplane. Yeah, okay? I would think that was sorry. A bad idea. It doesn't work that way. You're right. Um, so, yeah. and you're making a joke. You're not suggesting that, that theirs was velcroed. I'm not suggesting that theirs was velcroed. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that any of our listeners are, are velcroing right. ELTs into airplanes. Uh, but if someone you know might have done this, it's a bad idea. If, if unless you don't want the ELT to work, right. it's a great thing. So, is the situation yeah. that they're warning against the, that the ELT is mounted poorly, and because it Departs the aircraft, it gets disconnected from its support. Well, like, that's that's part of it. I mean, I can I can certainly see uh, where the ELT itself coming off the mounts would damage the ELT irreparably. You know, yeah. So there's antenna separation. There's there's damage to the unit itself. Um, you know, the ELTs are designed to uh, transmit even if they're inverted, but. Uh, I'm not suggesting that just turning the, the uh, loose ELT upside down would affect anything. Right. <clears throat> but um, it might affect some some uh, part of the uh, uh, sensing. I don't know. The punchline is ELTs need to be securely mounted. Yeah. Um, why the NTSB, I think they're probably just covering their butts, but uh, why the NTSB feels like they need to, to uh, put out this uh, uh, this request for the FAA to enforce ELT mount inspections or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, this well, is say it's part of an annual anyway. I mean, say again, Higdon? It's part of an annual. Uh, checking well, exactly. your ELT, making sure the installation's right, making sure it works. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Dave S., uh, what were you going to say? I was going to say that external antenna, external antenna on an ELT... I did not realize that you they came with it. Do they still have an internal antenna? Should the external get disconnected, or is that? That's I mean, a good, that's a good question. And um, shouldn't they? If they, I mean, if they don't, shouldn't they? My the LT mounted in my airplane is has an external antenna, and I would not be the least bit surprised to learn that if you disconnect that antenna, the uh, ELT has no has no um, strength, no signal. Okay, so you have an emergency locator transmitter, an ELT in case you go down and crack up your plane bad enough that, I, I, that you you cannot call for help you've got something else that calls for help for you I'm not, but yet I'm it's my head it's necessity it's its function well depends on something that could get in a bad enough collision ripped off the aircraft seems to me you'd want 
you know, forget the external antenna. You want an internal and you know, self-supporting ELT. There's there's ELT mounts, and then there's ELT mounts. Uh, the uh, the last two airplanes that, that we owned, uh, both when we bought them, had the little uh, portable ELT that basically slipped into a little tray that was basically screwed to one side of the inside of the cabin. And in both instances, and, and the, in, the antenna was internal, and it had a little weight that would trip a switch if the impact was at the right angle and the right velocity. We traded both of those in on ELTs that mounted on the avionics tray back behind the luggage compartment. Uh, those were bolted down quite sturdily, and there was a strap, actually two, on each mount that went over it from the mount to the tray so that the uh, the ELT would stay in place. Now, if that's separated and you've got the inertia of that two- or three-pound unit behind it, it's not going to take much to pull an antenna cable out of the antenna mount at one end or the other, uh, at which point it doesn't work. So, you know, making sure that they're they're lashed down properly to something sturdy that, you know, if it breaks that, it's breaking so much more, it's probably not going to matter. Although there were survivors in that crash, and it sure mattered well, to them. You know, the other thing, the other thing here too is um, maybe we should just prohibit flying in Alaska. <laughs> because, or certainly prohibit uh, uh, elected federal officials from flying in Alaska. Because every time one of them dies, we get a new ELT rule. Wait a minute. When did this happen before? That's that's how we got ELTs in the first place. Is it really? Um, it is um, because of an Alaska 19, crash. Nineteen seventy-two Alaska crash. Uh-huh. Hale Boggs, who was then majority leader of the House of Representatives, missing. Wasn't he a baseball player? Oh, that was Wade Boggs. No, Wade, Wade Boggs. Yeah. Hale Boggs. Hale was Boggs. The congressman's name from Louisiana. He and a 310 pilot went off somewhere, and they were never seen or heard from again. Haven't found the airplane. Really? Cokie yep. Roberts' father. Say again? Cokie Roberts' father. Cokie Roberts' father. That's right. Yeah. Um, um, shortly after that, Congress passed the ELT mandated, uh, passed the ELT law, mm-hmm. mandated that the FAA go out and, and you know go forth and put ELTs in, in airplanes. Hmm. Um, that worked out really well because that's the, that was the first generation ELT. The technology wasn't for fully baked, uh, and we're putting all this stuff in it. It didn't work. The the next generation ELTs worked better, but still weren't, weren't perfect. The 406s again work better, but they still aren't perfect. And and I'm I'm kind of starting to question why we really even have them. Uh, you know, um, there are other technologies that work, if not as well certainly better because they don't depend on you know cables staying connected to elts mm-hmm. and antennas being able to transmit and and things like that uh, spot that the spot technology right. and there's competition in that market basically satellite tracking um there are all kinds of ways to skin that cat mm-hmm. uh, other than mandating uh elts and uh, there's plbs etc um the the, the the real problem in that course comes up when the airplane is destroyed, and and, and all everybody aboard is killed. They don't have any alternate means of, of finding right. the airplane. Yeah. So you know, some something and, you know makes some sense. But I don't know if ELTs are, are the end all and be all here. We need to rethink this whole thing. Yeah. But now, by the way, it is once again safe to uh, make and buy obsolete ELTs. 
the uh, FCC chap rolled his eyes. I don't usually get to see that stuff. <laughs> That's great. I have, I've not yet seen that whole uh, that whole uh, order or rule, uh, and I'm curious whether they just lightened up on the use or whether they – we're talking about the FCC right. backtracking on its uh, uh, proposed rule to bar this manufacturer sale – or use of 121.5 ELTs. Right, the ones that we've just had very recently grounded right. a lot of airplanes until they replaced them with 406s. And the FAA kind of, uh, you know, used its channels to the FCC and convinced them of what a bad idea that was at this time. But I haven't looked at the order to see uh, whether that changed the uh, manufacture and sale part or just the use part. I don't know, and I and I didn't have a story. I, I don't have a link to a story, so I can't tell yeah, you. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that that'll come out. Well, those are very good questions. Yeah, because uh, Dave's exactly right. That's what the original decision by the FCC would have would have done. Yeah, I, I I don't know that it was finally ever fully implemented. No, uh, it wasn't. With so it, it's kind of a nothing burger that it got retracted. Um, I think we predicted some months ago that it yeah. was, was going to go away. Yeah. I mean, it's okay for it to eventually go away, but not that quickly, not that suddenly. We needed some phase-out time, I think. If they're going to make us carry something like that... I was talking about the FCC action itself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But if the FAA is going to make us carry something like that, uh, you know, there's no longer satellite monitoring for 121.5. Doesn't mean that it's not still useful on a local level when people right. are doing search and rescue well, for something. Um, yeah. There's a note out there, folks. Um, it's been in it's it's been in effect since September 12, 2001, and it basically says all civil aircraft shall monitor 121.5 when feasible. There you go. Okay, check your notums, folks. It's there. I guarantee it. Yeah. So I mean, okay. even even like we are supposed to be monitoring 121. That's right. Well, that's the, that's part of the punchline. Is um, by law, someone flying over you or near you it should be listening to 121.5. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's not necessarily an argument in favor of 121 only, 121.5 only uh, ELTs. Um, but it is to say that if you have an, uh, a 121.5 ELT only, that someone's likely to hear it. Yeah. 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 Uh, there, there were three or four times while we still owned an airplane that just monitoring 121.5 on a cross-country flight would turn up a signal. Sure. And I would report it to the facility I was talking to or the flight service. If, if it was possible, I'd do a 360 right. to kind of get a general bearing on the directional nature of it, give that heading to them and go on. Uh, it never turned out to actually be a crashed airplane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I won't say frequently or often, but I, I'm sometimes asked by ATC to, you know, or, or hear someone on the frequency being asked to tune 121.5 and listen for an ELT. Yeah, I've done that too. Yeah. Um, and there have been a couple of times at Oshkosh when I was wearing a, a, the little Bendix King handheld, the 99, right. mm -hmm. X99, and would have it scanning two or three of the frequencies there plus 121.5. And would have it lock in onto the whoop, whoop, whoop yeah. of a 125 triggering. My Half favorite. The time, it was a training exercise by the CAP. Yeah. 
Yeah, which uh, they would turn it on for five minutes. But part of the time, it was actually somebody ground looping or nosing over or something like that. Right, right. Jeb, what were you going to say? Uh, my favorite ELT story. Yeah, uh, I was. I was. This was. Uh, I don't know. Sometime in one I think. Um, I'm, I'm shooting down to Southern Virginia from the D.C. area to, to on some personal uh, business, and um, in route, I'm talking to the center. And Sinner asks another airplane to tune to 121.5 and listen for an ELT. And the guy was clearly, um, he, never, he clearly never experienced this before. I don't know his experience level. Uh, he, he sounded fairly young and fairly inexperienced, but um, he, he did as the controller asked and tune 121.5, was off the frequency for a moment. Came back, you know, said, you know, Sinner, uh, November 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Uh, yes, yeah, sir, go ahead with your report. Uh, yeah, we tuned twenty one twenty one point five like you asked us to. We couldn't hear anything except some whoop 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 sound. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the controller said, "Thanks very much." <laughs> and, and that was the end of it. <laughs> so here's an interesting story. Um, let's see now. So when you build your own airplane. Uh, one of the things that it's very common to do, both for your own personal memory, you know, reasons, and also for uh, to have a document of you know documentation about the building process, is to take a lot of pictures. And these days, people post these pictures on the web, and they have you know, online galleries, and they're very proud showing you know how they did various things and showing the workmanship, and 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 also documenting it because they need to show that they actually built the airplane. Um, and. Uh, Someone in our forums pointed me to a thread in another forum, in the vansairforce.com forum, uh, which is the uh, folks that make the RV line of airplanes. And, uh, and he was talking about how he was surfing the web, and he came, suddenly came across some pictures of, of his buddy's airplane. Uh, and he recognized these pictures because he had taken these pictures of his buddy's airplane. But they weren't posted on his buddy's website. They were posted on this stranger's website, who was claiming that they were pictures of his project. Ah. <laughs> and um, this guy apparently, and again, this is all just, you know, uh, uh, you know unsubstantiated, I guess, but uh, um, conversation on this uh, forum that, uh, that somebody, basically it's sort of a form of identity theft. You know, it's uh, um, somebody trying to demonstrate that he's building an airplane by using somebody else's pictures and documentation and work logs or at least work schedule and, and so forth. And uh, 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 kind of interesting, but I guess not all that surprising in this day and age. Or is it? Have you guys heard of this kind of thing before? I've never heard of this, this specific kind of thing before. I've heard of, of people, um, you know, kind of making stuff up and, and using someone else's uh, um, um, life or, or right. story to, to do that. Well, why, why, are these people who did, in fact, build an airplane on their own and they just wanted, for some reason, to document it other ways? Or did they not build the airplane? I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, um, in, in many cases that I've encountered, again, not related to airplanes over the years, you know, people are just making stuff up because they think they need to. Because this is a good way to pick up chicks or something. I, I right? guess it's a good way to pick up chicks. Um, I don't know because I don't need... No. Um, <laughs> um, <You know. laughs> 
Did I say that out loud? <laughs> you did say that out loud. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. And as and as Craig Ferguson likes to say, uh, we look forward to your letters. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So that's uh, J. E. Burnside. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, Higdon, have you heard of anything like this? No. No. Uh, I have heard of instances where people bought projects. Yeah. And tried to create a log and staged photographs to document the, that they had done all the building when, in fact, they, they, you know, the project was much farther along when they bought it than they were claiming at the time that they applied for their inspection. Uh, it did not go down well for them. Uh, they could have resolved that issue. Is it actually some sort of criminal uh, act? I mean, well, are the consequences more than just not being able to get your airplane certified? I mean, can you like go to jail for doing this? Technically, it's fraud. But here's the punchline: yeah. Any, anybody building an RV seven uh-huh. is going to take pictures of it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I guess on one level, you can conclude that the guy who who kind of grabbed these pictures is not building an RV seven. Why would he need someone else's pictures? I know. I don't know. So I think it's more of a, a Walter Mitty kind of thing than it is. Um, yeah. Anything else? I don't think there's any. There, there's not any fraud here, except you know, fraud against humanity. Well, it's fraud if he tries to certify or register right. an airplane right. that right. On, on but, I, but I don't think that's the case because the guy's got his own RV seven. He can take his own damn picture. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, at its worst, it is airplane airplane identity theft. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and when the woman he's going out with discovers that he didn't really build the airplane, he's even in even more trouble, anyways. So well, if when the woman he's going out with discover that he can't really fly, that could be an issue too. Yeah, depending on when they discover this, okay. But you got to give you got to give props to uh, the name C. Jensen, apparently Chad Jensen, EA technical counselor, for the last line of the first post, and it says, "I posted at the end of that thread to bust him out in front of his friends." Feel free to register and do the same if you want. <laughs> Good on you, Chad. <laughs> yeah. There we go. There we go. That was from mid-December, by the way. So it's a while ago. Yeah, yeah I so. suspect it's been resolved. I wonder this could be some kind of insurance fraud. The guy is going to have all these pictures that of the airplane that he oh. supposedly built. Well, you know that's a, that's a very good. Point. That is a very good point. You know, because what other what other possible benefit could you have? Did he buy an RV seven that he's trying to register as as his well, own? Which you question, said a minute yeah. ago, Jeb, or Dave said it doesn't work out well for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, is he is he Walter Mitty, or is he trying to perpetrate insurance fraud? I mean, what would be the purpose behind this? Uh, yeah, good to say, question. Say, ha ha, I fooled you. Good question. You know, come out on April first and say, guess what? My airplane isn't really an airplane. How far does this thread go? Do they actually look into this? Uh, the thread goes on and on and on. Yeah, I don't know what the. Let's go yeah. to the last Anyways, page. I'll let you read that if, while I move on. If, here. if if all you're doing is claiming it's a piece of uh, fine art sculpture, I'm not sure there's any laws that can be broken, yeah. except the laws of good taste. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So let's see now, Dave. Who is it that uh, this shoulder harness thing is it in the NTSB? I've saw these stories in the news that the uh, let's say it's the NTSB has recently decided that it would be a good idea for us to all wear shoulder harnesses when we go flying. Well, who would have ever thought of such a thing? Uh, and it's not the first time they made that recommendation, by the way. So, so all kidding aside, there are circumstances under which. Well, are there still? This is my question. Quite some time ago, I can recall flying rental airplanes that. Did I? No, I'm not even sure of this. That that only that. 
And you have an airplane these days that doesn't have shoulder straps in the front seat. You cannot build one. You can operate one. You can. Yeah. yeah. I seem to remember that the way it was explained to me was that the front seats could, needed to have shoulder strap, shoulder harnesses, but the rear seats did not. It's never been made mandatory to retrofit them, uh, to my knowledge. Okay, so to, to the uh, rear seats. To the rear seats. It has never been mandatory Front to retrofit them seats. at all. Yeah. Okay. And, and and frankly, there's some older design airplanes for which uh, creating a, a a shoulder harness solution is not the easiest and most straightaway process. Yeah. Uh, we put them in. Uh, we put them in our Comanche. They weren't standard when the Comanche was built. Uh, they became standard in later model Comanches, I understand. But there was a, an STC package that it required installing a doubler, a brace, and a screw that penetrated the bracing inside the fuselage and the outer skin, and it all sealed up quite nicely. But that was where you created the anchor point for the shoulder harness. Uh, you had to peel back headliner and all that stuff. Uh, if memory serves, the 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 whole thing was about seven hundred bucks to do the two front seats. Okay. Yeah. And there was no STC for to do it for the back seat from anybody. Uh, and there have been other uh, there have been other STCs for other airplanes that can do it, and some that can be done on field approval. But the bottom line is that it's never a bad idea. Yeah. When I bought my airplane, it did not have shoulder harnesses, um, and it was one of the first things I added to it. Um, hmm, okay. The um, the manufacturer Beach um, also, and as I'm sure other manufacturers have done also. But published um, <clears throat> uh, data and supplied parts to install the uh, shoulder harness kit uh, per basically a factory installation, uh, and that bas that's the we're out. I took was to get the drawings and get the parts <clears throat> and do the sheet metal work and la 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 to do the whole installation as the factory would have done it or as it did it in later models. And um, I'm very, very satisfied with the installation. It mm -hmm. came out very nicely. Uh, it was it was a lot of work. Um, uh, I thankfully, I didn't have to do it all. Yeah. But um, um, I wouldn't go back. And it was it was one of the better things I've done to the airplane. Yeah. We okay. were never sorry that we did it. Yeah. Uh, in the extra comfort, sometimes not in the. It, it wasn't the idea of being safer in the event of a crash. It was the sense of stability right. in really rough air right. that having the shoulder harness just enhanced immensely. Yeah. It's it's an extra extra layer of security that that I, I you can you can measure it's measurable you can feel it. Yeah. Now the other part of this though that's kind of even weird. Well, th no, that part's not weird. That part makes a lot of sense. The part of this story that was a little bit odd was uh, the news reports, anyways, say, said that the NTSB was also toying with the idea of requiring airbags. Well, that's that's not what they were really saying. Um, first of all, all of this comes out of a of a recent NTSB um, study into uh, the efficacy of airbags in personal aircraft. Okay. Uh, how, how would an airbag be used? Would it, just like in a car? Would it be front? No. Um, 
the airbag uh, equipment with which I'm familiar, and I did an article on this a few months ago for safety, and I talked to the, the company manufacturing, basically the leading manufacturer, AmSafe. Uh, they manufactured, some of these are original equipment in Cirruses, you know, things like that. But basically, it's, um, you wear a, the, the bag mechanism in your shoulder harness straps. Oh, okay. okay. Uh -huh. And this is wired into sensors underneath the seat. Uh, since the, the seat belt and the harness and everything like that is more or less anchored to the seat in the first place, running the wire, however many wires it is, up to the mechanisms is not a great you know, feat. It's not, it's not rocket science. They're not, excuse me, rocket surgery. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and they've been effective in, in, in a lot. So, so basically when they go off, they, they explode from the shoulder straps and push a... a, a you know, you could cushion you from that from behind, essentially, maybe. Uh, they put the balloons in front of you, the airbags. Um, there have been some success stories. Um, if, um, you know, if I was in the market, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not in the market, I prefer not to crash. But uh, um, <laughs> that's your that's your plan. That's my that's my that's my defense. That's my story, and I'm sticking to yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't hesitate to install them. They they look like a good product, and maybe one of these days I will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the reason the NTSB didn't outright recommend the the airbag solution is because the the, the data pool isn't large enough to, for them to really come to a conclusion based on their usual kind of study. The other thing, uh, there, there is on the shoulder harness, baby. Yeah. There's yeah, the plenty. Other thing, go ahead. They've been I'm around sorry. for a while. Higgin, go ahead. That was it. Oh, oh. Jeb, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say, um, and even if, you know, the NTSB came out tomorrow pounding the table saying you got to install airbags, it, they'd probably just start this process with uh, new manufactured aircraft. That's really what this is all about, is changing the certification rules to require airbags in at least some or maybe all or I don't know, uh, new manufactured aircraft and, and, you know, worry about retrofit down the road, if, if at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It, that's kind of interesting. I don't know whether it's really effective, but it's kind of interesting. To Which? The airbag thing. Well, it seems to be there's... Um, the thing about shoulder harnesses and airbags, um, guys were not flying, you know, uh, 2010, 2011 air, uh, um, uh, aircraft, certainly. But we're not flying, you know, an SUV built a couple of years ago either. Um, these, are, these, these aircraft are not designed for crashworthiness as a, as a yeah. rule. And there's a lot of, you know, stuff in the panel, especially on older airplanes, that uh, yeah, you, you even just a slow deceleration might put your forehead or your your upper body into that instrument panel. Uh, there's things like yoke sticking out that are that are not cushioned. Um, there are, are knobs for artificial horizons that make very nice round circular holes in the in your forehead. Mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah, a lot of little stuff like that. Um, I'm all in favor of all the protection I can get in one of these aircraft. I've been around them enough. I know you know. They're designed for one thing, and that's to fly. They're not designed to crash. Yeah. See, when I heard 
when I heard they were going to do the airbag thing, I thought it was like those those Mars Explorer things that right. landed on Mars a couple of years ago, and the way oh, they landed that would be cool. Wouldn't yeah, it? right. Is yeah. it is it airbags blew up all completely uh-huh. surrounding the aircraft? For, yeah, and, and so that would happen. There would be like a red handle, uh-huh. all right, and you'd pull the red handle, and suddenly you'd be surrounded by airbags, and you'd just bounce down Main Street in Las Vegas, you know. And uh, so would you would you drop your wings like they do in Australia? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that would yeah. be yeah. You yeah, drop yeah. the wings and you'd the tail. You'd have one of those de- detachable just, you know, eject the entire passenger compartment, and it rolls around on these little bucky balls for for, for however yeah. long. Yeah. I know they're not bucky balls. It, 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 more than rolls, it bounces. Bounces, too. Yeah, yeah, right. You yeah. know, it's cool. Yeah, you, okay. you can start then, out. You can start out in Mercer and end up in Trenton. <laughs> and, and, and and some credit really it needs to be given to AmSafe here. For coming up with a retrofitable solution yeah, yeah. that a doesn't cost an arm and a leg, and b is is universally applicable, uh, because airbags for airplanes they weren't the first to come up with this. That's right. uh, That's right. Research outfit back in the middle nineties was working on that right here in Wichita, uh, and the first big technological solution. Uh, or technological challenge, I should say, was that first off, they were following a design model after automobile airbags. And as automobile airbags work, you know, they pop out of the steering wheel. Well, if you have an airbag popping out of a yoke, the action-reaction thing is going to move the yoke. And yeah, right. No, no, it. you wouldn't want to do that, I don't think. Right, and it's going to lessen the effectiveness of it. And one of the first big challenges was solving that uh, action-reaction equation. And they came up with a diffuser ring that spread the, uh, the explosive gas force that, that inflates the airbag in a 360-degree ring perpendicular to the travel of the yoke. So it actually stabilized the yoke while the airbag inflated. So it increased its effectiveness when your face smashed into it. Mm-hmm. Problem was that they were extremely expensive to retrofit because you had to retrofit the yoke and the column and, and do all this wiring, hocus pocus, and all that. And the seatbelt solution much more easily adapted. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Moving on here. I, I'm completely disoriented here. See, normally, of course, I don't do this podcast sitting in the same room as Jeb. Jack, and, and Jack's now talking to aromatically. Wonder, well, no, what's happened here, and I'm just going to totally out him here. <laughs> what's happened here, halfway through that conversation, Jeb just kind of got up and walked out over to his kitchen and got himself another beer and then went off into the other room and got himself a sweater. And now he's gradually making his way back to the table here. Now I'm going to wonder whenever Jeb gets quiet on the podcast whether he's wandered off. And uh, oh no, we and I both come and go. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes Especially I actually let the Jeff. dog. Yeah, I guess. Sometimes yeah. I actually yeah. let Charlotte talk for me. The dog. Yeah. You should hear her. You should hear her imitation of Pavarotti. Uh, no, no. Yeah, okay. Is she the one that's been doing the the wiki wiki thing at the end for you? <laughs> Actually, yeah, that was her idea. That was her. That was her. All right. Hey, listen. Here's a story. What, 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 Jack, what is your point? I, I, I'm just I'm I'm just marveling <laughs> at the fact that you just kind of got up and went off and did this and did that and. All right. Um, I, I live here. Just for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, normally we all are in the place where we live. I don't get he's up. He's not just away. a hanger on. He's a hanger out. Yeah. Um, oh, now see hey, I look, can... usually he's here in the house by himself 
doing this podcast. Me too. Which in, in creates my house. horrible potential visuals. So just be glad he's putting a sweater on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I was Let's not say, go you there. Know, <laughs> you you, you may not realize it, but he actually <laughs> dressed up with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, here's a story that really ought to be on the list. I don't know why we missed it. Um, this story came out like an hour or two after we recorded the last episode. And that is um, Piper's announcement that it is uh, parting company with the uh, check outfit that was making the uh, the uh, Piper Sp- uh, the um, Sport Sport Piper Sport, Piper. Um, formerly known as the Sport Cruiser, probably going to be called the Sport Cruiser again. Um, Piper is at least temporarily out of the LSA business. This is kind of a big story, uh, especially given that later this week is the uh, Sebring LSA show or the Sport Aviation Expo. Um, have we learned anything more in the last week? There wasn't an awful lot of uh, of hard information in the first you know day or so after this. Have we learned anything more since then not about what's going on here? Why did they do this? There's not a lot of hard, lot more hard information now. Yeah, they 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 issued a press release. Have there been any other press releases? Has Piper made any other official comments? I guess they not. haven't. I've not heard anything. Yeah, you know Checker. and. Um, there was one so- somewhat mysterious, um, not a quote, not a quote, um, but sort of a phrase, a, a, a reporting point in, uh, I believe it was an AvWeb story, that alluded to the idea that Piper was in fact getting out of the LSA business. And I don't know if any of us has actually seen this confirmed anywhere. The press release didn't read that way to me. Although Dave, you thought you read between the lines and saw that in there, did you? Yeah, uh, that that was kind of my uh they're not going to follow this up uh at least not in the short term uh, they were they, they were doing pretty good they seem to be have some sales interest and in, and actually delivering airplanes why would they hell well, they mean, created maybe they've got a problem a new distributor network for that airplane What's which say again kind got- of seemed odd but they did yeah yeah a separate uh, network right so what becomes of those folks Right. Uh, well, I would, if if the checks are smart, they'll they'll just kind of round up and, and take over that network and let it stay in place selling sport cruisers. But I don't have no information that that's the case. Um, as long as they're not regular Piper dealers who have contracts, say you won't represent anybody else. Oh man, if Piper did that, I, they'd they'd take a real PR hit if they yeah. then blocked. Everybody yeah, I don't think from, we've heard the final chapter here. I think I mean, that's, there's something going on here and. You know, Jeb I and I are going over to Sebring. Something out of Sebring and the Czech Airworks people. Yeah, Jeb and I are going to Sebring later this week. I'm certainly going to be asking some questions. I don't really expect to get any answers, but I, I'm sure this is going to be a subject conversation oh, yeah. um, over at Sebring. I uh, don't agree that this is a sign of the big shakeout that quote unquote everybody's been waiting on. I, I think the shakeout's kind of uh, just hovering out there in the low level of sales for some of these outfits. Yeah, no, I don't. Think I don't get the impression that this is related to bad sales. No, I don't either. This is there's something bad, some sort of bad mojo, bad juju yeah, between uh, these or two. Or a pending shakeout. There might, there may be a pending shakeout, but I don't think that's what this is related to. Well, didn't yeah. Piper issue a press release citing creative differences or basically, something along yeah. those lines? Yeah, basically so they it did. Sounds yeah. like, it sounds like uh, you're not doing it our way, you're, right. you're not going to do it our way, Right. so we don't want to play ball anymore. Right, that's kind of yeah, what but, it sounded but, like. What, what that was about could be anything from how you stock your dealers to uh, how you uh, decide to deliver you know, batches to 
who's getting which share of the liability tail. Right. Uh, you know, share, share shares of the of the markup. Uh, there's a lot of ways that we don't see eye to eye on that has never really been answered here. But Piper's statement that they they really believe in that end of the market and they think that it's going to do well, and then leave it at that. They don't say, and we plan to get back into it someday. They just kind of let it hang, well, and I don't expect them back. Uh, you know, they're being silent on that topic leads me to conclude that you know there's something else. You know, there's there's two or three levels of stuff going on here. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can't begin to decipher it just from that single press release. Yeah. Well, we're going we're gonna to sniff around a little bit at Sebring later this week and see what's going on. Speaking of Sebring... Um, I, I did say I'd love to see them back in that market because I think they bring, like Cessna did, uh, they help raise the credibility level. Uh, yeah, and, and unlike Cessna, they were delivering airplanes, you know? Well, that, I don't yeah. know if that's true. I heard the number 70... 70 what? Sport pi, uh, Piper Sports. Piper Sports? I don't know if that's anywhere close to accurate. And that ain't bad for that if, market. If, if they sold 70, that's not bad at all. Uh-huh. Got an um, airplane uh, on, well, I don't know, overflying the field here at Hidden River, I guess. And, uh, yeah. Maybe getting ready to land. Don't know. Um, yeah, it, it and it was a kind of a big sensation a year ago at uh, Sun and Fun uh, when they were, this was the first big uh chance for Piper to show off the airplane. We went to a big doodah at the yeah, Piper tent there. and all and, that video. And the buzz was it. that they took a lot of orders those couple of days. And, uh, um, I think they did. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. We're going to have to sit back and see what happens. Anyways. Uh, let's see now. What's next on the list here? Um, oh, I lost my place here. See, this is what I get for jumping off the list. Well, while you're checking the list, I'm going to jump back to something we were talking about earlier. The, yeah. Uh, the identity theft on the aircraft uh, project here. What did you find on the internet? I went to one, and the, the the first post that you go on, he had two different links in yeah. his ad. One was apparent in, in the original post we were talking about. It was uh, the first one was haven't posted in a while, been working on the plenum, yada yada yada, and then this one is titled First Flight." You open it up, and the first thing you see is a note from the editor: "Locked to save the original poster from further embarrassment." Oh yeah, okay. So and if you go on to the third page, the guy actually says on the third page, and I'm bringing it up so I can. Everyone, I have a confession. The pictures were stolen from Chad, HTTP, and it gives a web web address. I am a horrible person for doing this. Okay. Well, good for him if that's really him. Can you know fessing up? But it might be somebody else speaking for him. But uh, and there are some other poignant comments poignant yes okay. directed back at him for that but <laughs> poignant so yeah whoever whoever moderates this web page has gotten the word that it was phony yeah or he was phony last week on the podcast we talked about the uh, uh the atlantic.com uh column um about a uh, a alarmist misinformed uh, story about the dangers of general aviation uh and of course we were trying to set the record straight and and we had mentioned the fact that fellow atlantic columnist james fallows who's an aviator an aviator um had uh we thought he was going to get into the into the fray here and try and set the record straight, and we couldn't at that time find any story from him online. But Jeb, you called our attention to this uh, Atlantic uh, yeah, piece. Yeah, James Fallows uh, is a long. Well, I don't know how long he's been at the Atlantic. Some time, uh, one of the more well-respected columnists. Uh, 
Fallows wrote um, Free Flight, a book that was maybe 20 years or so ago, mm-hmm. uh, talking about the, the what was the then hoped for coming revolution in small airplane transportation, which some of some of which has been fulfilled by the Cirrus and and similar aircraft. Um, Fallows uh, uh, responded to Goldberg. Um, it's um, um, yeah, Jeffrey Goldberg is another uh, columnist for the Atlantic Magazine. And Goldberg, as we talked about last last episode, put out this just factually incorrect, uh, snidely written, um, uh, hey, look at me kind of column, uh, talking about the what, he, what was apparent, what, what he perceived as a lack of security involving small personal aircraft. Um, Fallows takes him on and explains a great deal and... Um, says he's offered uh, Goldberg a ride in, in Fallow's personal airplane uh, to go, you know, through some of this and explain that, you know, what he's what he didn't see doesn't mean that there just because he didn't see something doesn't mean it's not there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, I have not looked at Fallow's uh, blog lately. I'm going to click uh, and try to uh, bring it's, that up. It's I don't know if he's taken that flight with Goldberg or not. Is the punchline? Yeah, David, go ahead. It's wonderful. It's vintage Jim Fallows yeah. uh, taking apart something and someone who he knows and is a colleague of. Right. And with such a, a, a human light touch, uh, you know, we, he, he, he gives uh, the offender... Uh, the the benefit of the doubt that if he was more uh, familiar with the world he was writing about, he would be embarrassed by what he had said. Yeah, you know, he takes a light touch to it to to a subject that others of us want to take a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. right, and we're wrong on that. Uh, but it's a, it's it's a wonderful read. Uh, anybody who flies will deeply appreciate it. Uh, anyone who wishes they will could fly like this will find yet more to drive them in that direction. And anybody who doesn't probably deep down inside wishes they did. Yeah. Well, the, the last line of Fallow's piece is, is, I think, not only correct but instructive. Uh, relatively speaking, small planes are not a high area of risk. Mm-hmm. Period. It's true. I mean, I, I, I believe that, absolutely. And on the, the Goldberg issue, he, his second paragraph pretty much says it all. The issue has a feature by Jeffrey Goldberg that's interesting, like everything Jeff writes. <laughs> but it is, to, to my mind, completely wrong-headed. And wrong-headed in a way that I think Jeff would be the first to recognize if it concerned a field he was more familiar with. Yeah, that's that's basically saying. Well, kudos to him yeah. for yeah. slapping him. Yeah, so politely. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah Fallows is, yeah. is is pretty much a class act. He certainly, uh, um, you know, he, he does a, he, he blogs on a lot of different topics, um, and he, he's kind of a a, a level headed blog mm-hmm. on on the subject of aviation. Yeah. David, you uh, called our attention to this uh, video, this dead F-16 dead stick landing video at Elizabeth City. I, I don't dare watch this video here uh, on on Jeb's internet connection. But uh, what's the story here? I I seem to remember one. Is this a new one, or is this the one we saw maybe a year ago or so? It, it's the one we've seen before, and it started making the rounds again 
It's a great. Look, it's the one I'm remembering. It's a great video because this, it's from it's from the uh, I don't know I want to call it the gun camera, but it's from uh, onboard camera. See you see the heads up display and you hear the exchange between that pilot and a chase pilot who's helping him down and and a controller who's helping him down and and just listening to actually what you're seeing is the readout from the HUD. Right. Yeah, that's what it is. Audio the pilot's uh, uh, audio system as he talks to different people and you hear different people as he uh, dead sticks an F-16 into uh, 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 Elizabeth City down in uh, uh, North Carolina, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, that was, uh, good. that was a great video. And for me, the lesson of this that made it worth watching again was that while you hear the pilot's breathing change, it, you hear very little of the way of stress in his voice, but you know he's feeling it. Yeah. Throughout the whole thing, he pays attention to the main job. When you've got a crisis like that, job number one. Fly the airplane. Thank you. Fly the airplane. Even when you don't have a crisis, fly the airplane. Even when you don't think anything's wrong, fly the airplane. Uh, He flew the airplane. Uh, You you can see the uh, airspeed varied very little throughout it. That's the left side tape. You can watch the altitude bleed off and see the descent rate also very consistent throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he he had his eye on the prize, and the prize was showing up on the HUD, and all he had to do was mind his airspeed, mind his attitude, uh, not lose his head, and remember at the last minute to put the wheels down. Yeah. Shout-outs. What do we got here? Um we have a, a shout out, or I'm going to turn it into a shout out. It's a uh, interesting little post in uh, the forums. Uh, listener uh, CFI Rick Miller uh, tells us about a uh, an interesting airport restaurant in uh, the Skyline Restaurant at Portsmouth Airport in Southern Ohio. It appears to be Papa Mike Hotel, uh, and he says the airport is located in the same building as the FBO, and you get a great view of the ramp, arriving and departing, great food breakfast, lunch, and dinner menu at very reasonable prices. So uh, the Skyline Restaurant, Portsmouth Airport in in, uh, in southern New Hampshire. Is it Portsmouth, New Hampshire? I'm not, uh, Portsmouth, Ohio? Uh, southern Ohio? Did I say New Hampshire a couple times? I believe that's down on the Ohio River. Yeah. So uh, if you're over looking for a place to West go... Virginia. Go ahead, David. I think it's over toward West Virginia right. on the Ohio. Yeah. So if you're looking for a, uh, a place to go and get a meal uh, by air uh, in southern Ohio, uh, check out uh, Papa Mike Hotel and the Skyline Restaurant. What else? You guys got any shout-outs? As a guest on the show, I'm going to jump in, and unfortunately it's not a good, a good shout-out. Um, Uh-oh. Deepest condolences to uh, John and his wife Kristen, John Burton and his wife Kristen, I just received news this afternoon that uh, Dick Matt passed away Sunday. Tell us who Dick is, was, is. Dick was with, I'm not sure what his exact job title was. He was a staffer at EAA. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he was in the production, uh, publicity and production end of things. I'm not sure what his title was, but uh, a friend had sent me a DVD of an Osh, or of a Sun and Fun 96 or 86 and Dick's name was in the credits. Um, mm-hmm. Eight, 86, baby. Yeah? Yeah. Dick was. Dick helped establish uh, film 
and uh, and and video work at EAA uh, and doing some really high level motion picture work. Uh, he also had a hand in uh, executing their graphics image in the magazine back in those days. Uh, sharp guy had an opportunity to work with and for Dick on a couple of occasions, and he was uh, he was quite the character. Uh, he was always a hoot to work with. So yeah, sorry, John, Kristen, we're very sorry to hear for you hear about your loss. And we're very sorry for the loss of another friend gone west. Yep. All right. Um, other shout outs. David, uh, this is this is sort of in between a shout out and a regular story, but what's the story with GI? Uh, the GI Bill is going to pay for fly, flying lessons again? Well, you know, the GI Bill off and on over the decades it's been around has uh, play, paid for advanced ratings training, uh, stuff that the uh, government considered uh, professionally oriented training, and it never included primary flight and training, uh, flight training. And now the uh, the the latest version of the GI Bill has expanded the training available to include primary and some of the early stuff, up to ten thousand a year available uh, to help returning veterans uh, get their toe wet in the aviation community and maybe start and launch a career in that direction. Yeah. And I thought that was uh, long overdue, actually, because general aviation in particular uh, has benefited many times over the years from different government programs and government tax structures that favored buying airplanes or learning to fly and using the airplane. And a little of that help uh, beyond the accelerated depreciation for businesses, a little of that help can't hurt now. And we're hoping it brings a lot of vets into the uh, ranks of private pilots and commercial pilots and airline pilots. Yeah. Now, is it is it the case that um, that that GI Bill financed flight training after World War II produced a huge population of pilots back then? Is that well, the it? It offered advanced trainings to get a lot of these guys beyond what they came out of the military with. So it didn't pay for primary training back in the late forties, early fifties. It did not. Oh, I thought it did. Okay. Yeah, me too. I thought it. I thought it paid for it. Yeah. I thought that was part of that. That I always remembered that as part of the reason GA expanded. That's what I always thought too. But uh, well, there was a cause and effect here. If you went to the trouble and expense to get your private you were eligible for all this GI Bill support for adding your instrument, your commercial, uh, your ATP. So in a lot of ways, it did help build the GA ranks because it attracted a lot of guys who might not have flown otherwise who came back from the military with military credentials and not civilian to get their civilian so they could go on and get the advanced ratings, civilian ratings they needed to make a living. Uh, which brought us a whole lot of flight instructors, a whole lot of airplane buyers, not anything near what manufacturers like Piper and Cessna and Beach were expecting the market to be in the late 40s and early 50s. Uh, only about 5% of American military people who had learned to fly or flown during the war actually elected to continue participating after the war. Mm-hmm. 
but that was still uh, still a pretty good pool of people to start building the market. And between advanced training support under the GI Bill and various tax breaks up to and including investment tax credits for buying GA airplanes helped uh, move the community along. And let's not forget the uh, military airfields that were turned over to a lot of communities for community airports in the years right after World War II. That yeah. helped build up airport uh, uh, population as well. Well, that sounds great. Look, That's going to be great. That's uh, it's going to help because we can need all the pilots we can get. Damn straight. Yeah. So uh, let's see now. We've got a little uh, serendipitous uh, uh, coincidence here. Is that serendipitous coincidence? So, serendipity so, dog? Yeah. Uh, our, our friend Dave Schalbetter is visiting with us here in the uh, virtual hangar this week. Uh, Dave, of course, is the uh, chairman of Sun and Fun Radio uh, down in uh, Lakeland each year. And uh, uh, coincidentally, separately, I put on the list, I came across a really interesting video that... Uh, <laughs> see, this is another thing I don't Maybe usually see New going I'm sure everything's down. Oh, that's right. I was just... <laughs> So, oh, that's right. Lakeland is bar. up. Lakeland is up from here, Jack. Lakeland is up from here. Okay, yeah. Um, up in Lakeland. Uh, anyways, um, uh, actually, Dave, I think you're the one that called our attention to this video in the first place. This is a video that was produced by, uh, oh, this is... Coptercast. Coptercast. And Another I, Dave. Yeah, Dave, Dave, <laughs> Dave. Uh, oh, this is terrible. Uh, T is, is, I've got the YouTube page up, and yeah. it says... Anyways, it's a great the video. The real Dave T. He put together a video uh, based on uh, footage he shot last uh, spring at Sun and Fun, and uh, it's a nice little video uh, showing a lot of different highlights, and it features the voices of... Uh, of uh, our own Dave, well, our own, but our friend Dave Schalbetter and our own Dave Higdon. No, actually, my voice is not in that video I thought at your all. Voice was. My picture is in the video briefly. Okay. No, it's Will. Oh, Will Hawkins is Will in there. Hawkins oh, and you yeah. and and Higdon and Higdon. Yeah. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And then whoa, 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 whoa. I, I didn't make the cut. You didn't make the cut. But the humanity is that they they do what. My favorite part of the video is is the the shots of Sun and Fun Radio deck, but it's unfortunately spoiled because it's a close up of Hodgson. <laughs> I've got to get you guys back for the tweets when I showed up Sunday night. The, the large, the large print giveth, the small print taketh away. <laughs> so, anyways, you gotta check out that video. We'll put a link in the show notes. But I think if you search YouTube for a video called "Sun and Fun Air Show 2010," you'll probably find it, and uh, that's pretty cool. Um, David, while we're on the subject, is there anything you can tell? I know you're beginning to put to, do the planning and, and preparation for Sun and Fun Radio again uh, this spring. I'm beginning nothing. I'm full blown into it. Yeah, um, and Sun uh, and Fun is coming up fast. If you haven't made your plans, folks, you got to get got to get on a stick. We're we're early this year. That's right. Which we, is March 29th through. April 3rd. Yep. There is a um, air show in Europe, uh, and I go to say the name. I don't have my cheat sheet in front of me. I go to say the name Aerostaffen Friedrichshafen or something like something that. Like yeah. that. Friedrichshafen. Yeah. Sorry, Doc. What what he said? Friedrichshafen. Aero Friedrichshafen. Thank you. Aero Friedrichshafen, which is working hand in hand with Sun and Fun because their events take place at the same time. Oh, really? Okay. So as not to compete because about 10% of the vendors go to both events. Okay. So that's why Sun and Fun has bumped back a little bit oh, so really? that they can have their event. And of course, you know, in the words of John Burton, nobody wants to interfere with Easter. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and of course, uh, if you want more information from John's mouth, um, you can go to daveshellbetter.libson.com and that has uh, an interview with John about Sun and Fun 
2011 is coming. There's actually two different versions. Yeah. Now, the full version and then, and then the other one. But back to Sun and Fun Radio, um, I'm full-blown into doing this. Right. Um, and I've you're going to stream on the internet hours. again. We're going to stream on the internet. Right now, our internet connection to the radio station is down. Yeah. So we're, that's the only reason we're not streaming right now. That's right. You've been streaming all... That's right, of course. You've been uh, streaming all... Oh, winter. Dave Pasco, a great guy. He, uh, you know, he kept us... The end of Sun and Fun, he said, we'll go ahead and leave it up. Yeah. So we left the scanners and everything else up. As soon as the internet's back up, you will be able to go to liveatc.net slash SNF and hear Sun and Fun Radio, Lakeland Ground, and Lakeland Approach. Yeah. When the fly-in gets here, we will uh, have also the Lake Parker arrival. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be doing three different ATC streams and Sun and Fun Radio. Um, but some really great news, that I just got an email today. Um, a favorite feature for the last couple of years has been our Wasp interviews. Yeah. They're coming back. The Wasps are going to be coming back. They are great ladies. Oh, it's yeah. It's just really terrific. And, I'm going to uh, target doing a Wasp interview every day. Uh -huh. um, the 99s, the International Organization of Women Pilots, mm -hmm. is hosting and bringing them out. So we thank the 99s for that. We're also going to shoot for another hour-long special, like we did middle of the week last right, year. Right, yeah. Um, and that's just, Aviation International is going to be hosting a show again. Mm -hmm. And of course, we're going to have you guys, UCAP, yep. will be returning on opening night. That's Tuesday night. And you guys will be up again on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. We're going to have. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How early Sunday morning? <laughs> um, not that early. Okay, okay. Don't worry, I'll bring the rooster. <laughs> <laughs> you got that stall warner handy? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're going to beat him over the head with it, right? Bad anyway, news is that rooster's got its purse. It's going to be You're cutting me end. off. No, I'm sorry. I I'm thought nowhere you were... even near done yet. Well, okay, but please, you know, go ahead. Get into it. <laughs> we're reaching no, the I'm, end I'm, of our allotted time here. Well, so. the, I was getting to the. I, I got you guys. I got your shout out in there. So yeah. You guys are going to be on Sun and Fun Radio again. And that's and sufficient. On the internet. Um, okay, and, go ahead. Uh, David Allen yep. and Will Hawkins. Give him some time. Give him some time. Yeah, okay. Are going to be doing the uh, the Pilots Flight Podcast. I'll cut this all out later on. I'm sure you will. And uh, Steve Tupper, our uh -huh. friend. He's going to do another Forrest. one of his remote. Yep, not at Sun and Fun. Not at Sun and not Fun. Not at Sun and Fun. Not live from That's Sun right. and Fun. Right, yeah. Well, live, but not at Sun and Fun. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, we do have an open slot. Uh -huh. If there are uh, podcasters out there that want to get, that will, caveats are you need to be at Lakeland. Mm -hmm. um, somebody said, well, Tupper does a remote one, but you have to understand Tupper does some really fantastic work. Uh, donating time to Sun and Fun Radio for announcements. Tupper is, in so many ways, a special case. He is. Yeah. So but special he, case is a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. But, but we love Steve. Yeah. But he gets he gets to do the not at Sun and Fun podcast because right. he can't make it down, and he supports Sun and Fun Radio year round. Yeah. No, he does a lot of good work uh, in yeah, the background. Absolutely. Right. So, um, but we do have an open an open podcast slot. Yeah. And how can course, they reach you? Um, that's. You probably the easiest way is snfradio at gmail dot com. Okay. My other email is shellbet at AOL, but Jack's been busting my hump about still being on AOL. <laughs> As will most of our listeners. Yes. Probably, yeah. And hey, you know, they will buttonhole you at Sun Info. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hesitant to change. What yes. can I say? I'm I guess so. I guess so, huh? Um, okay. Gonna, but we're going to be doing a lot of stuff. Yep. And also, the the lost disc has been found. The uh, Sun and Fun Live 2010 recordings. Oh, okay. Uh, I found my disc, and I've gotten back to posting on chats from the deck. So once, it, uh, and so you can get that stuff straight off the internet, right? What's the address for that? Yeah. Do you know, it's DaveShellbetter.libson.com. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it, you know, and you can you follow me SNF Radio. 
SNF Radio Dave on Twitter. People that follow me got the 99's uh, Wasp news this afternoon. Mm-hmm. People that follow Sun and Fun Radio on Twitter are going to get it, you know, tomorrow or the next day. <laughs> okay. That's my, that's my cheating way of getting more yeah, followers right. for go. me there personally. Right. What can I say? Anything but no, it's going to be a great time. Yeah. Um, we're going to be short on engineer help. Anybody wants to come out and uh, run the control board, you know, we can use some help there. Uh, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be. It's going to be. We're looking forward to and it. And who's going to be the first one to ask? Nobody? Uh, Nobody? Waffles? 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 <laughs> yes, there will be waffles. All right. <laughs> All is well with the world. All is well with the world. Anybody else? Any other shout-outs? Jeb? Uh, just to uh, the two gentlemen sitting uh, to my right for showing up, uh, for having some good times, and uh, some more good times to come. Uh, it's a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, Jack, did you give him the dollar, or do I have to do it this time? Uh, yeah, it's your turn. Oh, okay. It's your turn. David, any shout-outs? Yes, I want to send a shout out to Jeb's resident alligator uh, and suggest that if ever he's going to have a hope of credibility, he should get out there and bite Jack on the butt sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the lookout for him. This is one of my goals while I'm down here is to uh, to see one of these alligators. Dave, Dave and I tried to abandon him on Fantasy Island last night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was he, like, he followed us off. Well, we, we got about halfway between the island and the house, and I said we left Jack on the island, and I think Jack heard me because I turned around and Jack was right behind. I have never seen Hodgson move that fast in my life. <laughs> it's like it's like that scene in, in Young Frankenstein. I, I understand that the, uh, the alligator at Hidden Rivers <clears throat> Burnside Hacienda is going to be the next new character introduced in the comic strip Pearls Before Swine. <laughs> because <laughs> what were you saying, Jeff? People should know that having Crocs alone in a comic strip can just not be tolerated for long. That's right. That's right. Well, actually, actually, Jack and I have been you know, kind of brainstorming some of this, and we're thinking about a new podcast under the UCAP umbrella. Mm. Um, um, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, uh, time to stick a fork in this one for sure. Ow. Thank you guys for uh, for joining us here in the uh, virtual hangar. Let's see now. Dave Schalbetter uh, is uh, Florida's newest home inspector and the uh, chairman of Sun and Fun Radio. We talked a little bit about where people can find you on the internet. What, uh, what other? Let's see now. What's the Sun and Fun website? Sun S uh, Sun hyphen N hyphen Fun. Dot org. Right. We'll take you to their main site. All and, kinds of information. And one more time, tell us the uh, stream address. LiveATC.net slash SNF. Okay. And any other websites you want to tell us about? Uh, my personal website, again, I'll give it another shout-out, is DaveShellbetter.Libson.com, and that's titled Chats from the Deck. Mm-hmm. And it's got all that archive stuff it's on it. It's got archive stuff on it, and I'm going to, if help permitting, I'm going to post stuff as we go this year. Mm, sounds great. Thank you for being here. And Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. David, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, DaveHigdon.biz, AvBuyer.com, AviationSafetyMagazine.com, AEA.net, or uh, if, you, you know, if you're interested in old stuff, just Google me and ignore the golf writer and the theoretical physicist. <laughs> I thought he was fascinating. <laughs> I liked that, Dave. You, you still write for aviation safety? <laughs> uh, as of a couple of days ago, but who knows? And Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief, editor-in-chief, editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, where can people find you on the Internet? 
we do indeed look forward to reading those letters. <laughs> <laughs> AviationSafetyMagazine.com is a good place to start. Uh, JEBurnside.com if you want to see a great example of a 90s era website. And, <laughs> and, and uh, occasionally pop up on uh, AvWeb.com and AEA.net. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can learn more about me at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Thanks to Jeff Ward for creating our show notes. Thanks to Mike Morgan and Royce Earl and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips and other audio bits that we drop into the show. We're also very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. And don't forget, you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, view the forums, check out the wiki, the aviation wiki, movies, wiki, 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 wiki. Wiki. <laughs> <laughs> new webpage of fame, and more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, do you want to say something here? Uh, and they're not even anywhere near wiki-watchy. Uh, if you want to live long and prosper, go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan, as you can tell. <laughs> and that's enough talking. Let's go flying. AMFFM. Look forward to the next time, guys. on this podcast represent no one and are here strictly on their own behalf and behest baby yes now dig if it sounds like they're talking to you about how to fly your airplane you got to keep in mind that these dudes are speaking purely from their own headspace you got to interpret their knowledge and their wisdom as being completely general baby when it's you in the left seat, you got to consider your situation, remember your training, and fly your aircraft. Can you dig it? <laughs>